Hello everyone. So I am constantly putting off recording because I feel like I've been sick forever. I'm always sick and I feel like my voice just sounds garbage, but you know what? It's fine. It's time. We're going to do this and we're going to rock and roll. So this podcast has covered many weird topics throughout its history and today's episode is going to be no different. Honestly, I don't even want to give this episode any other intro. So without further ado, who are the jumping Frenchmen of Maine? So for this story, we're going to go back to the 1870s, and our story features some French Canadians working in where else but Maine, and as you've probably guessed from the title, there was jumping involved. So were there just French dudes visiting Maine and jumping around? Pretty much, except the concept became so common that it turned into a named disorder. Still confused? Allow me to explain. This so-called phenomenon was first investigated by the Yale graduate, Civil War veteran, and neurologist, give it up for George Miller Beard, in 1878. He was a pretty big deal for his time. He seems like a pretty big deal for our time. He argued for several psychiatric reforms meant to protect the mentally ill, which is pretty woke for back then. He even risked his reputation when he made the argument that President James Garfield's assassin should have been found not guilty by reason of insanity. Anyways, Beard heard about these tall tales of Lumberjack's odd behaviors, and then he found out, hmm, it was a reality. He went to northern Maine to see what he could see, and when those men were startled, they would display exaggerated and apparently reflexive reactions, things that included jumping, yelling, hitting, obeying commands, repeating phrases back if they didn't even understand the language being used, which is a phenomenon known as echolalia. The men were also said to be shy and very ticklish, which is weird because I'm assuming they tested it out, but guess there wasn't much to do back then. Beard worked extensively with the subjects, which he referred to as jumpers, to determine as much as he could about their condition. While it was beyond the expertise of 19th century science to say whether this was a psychological or neurological disorder, because honestly, even now, there's still some debate on that point, Beard could at least say with some certainty that their reaction was involuntary. Reacting to something just makes sense. It's the startle response of a human. There's nothing weird about that. But the thing is, those with this disorder would display the reflex response no matter what. Like if it meant falling off something and getting injured, they would do it. Why? Well, perhaps it was genetic. Most of the people who suffered from this originally came from one of four families. Then again, that was the nature of being a French-Canadian lumberjack in 19th century Maine. It's not like there were that many of them. I'm sure you want some examples, so let me share some of Beard's work on this matter. Here I'm going to quote part of his 1880 address on the phenomena. Quote, One of the jumpers, while sitting in his chair with a knife in his hand, was told to throw it, and he threw it quickly so that it stuck in a beam opposite. At the same time, he repeated the order to throw it. He also threw away his pipe when rolling it with tobacco when he was slapped upon the shoulder. Two jumpers standing near each other were told to strike, and they struck each other very forcibly. When the commands are uttered in a quick, loud voice, the jumper repeats the order. When told to strike, he strikes. When told to throw it, he throws it, whatever he has in his hands. 
They could not help repeating the word or sound that came from the person that ordered them any more than they could help striking, dropping, throwing, jumping, or staring. All of these phenomena were indeed but parts of the general condition known as jumping. It was not necessary that the sound should come from any human being. Any sudden or unexpected noise as the explosion of a gun or a pistol, the falling of a window, or the slamming of the door, provided it could be unexpected and loud enough, would cause these jumpers to exhibit some, one, or all of these phenomena. It was dangerous to startle them in any way when they had an axe or knife in their hand. All of the jumpers agree that it tires them to be jumped, and they dread it, but they were constantly annoyed by their companions, end quote. Let's go back to that pipe-throwing fellow from the beginning of Beard's description. This particular jumper was the subject of much of Beard's writings, and this jumper represented one of the most extreme cases of the disorder. Beard relates how when this man was standing next to one of the employees in a local hotel and was suddenly ordered to strike, he would hit the nearby person as hard as he could on the cheek. Beard relates how he took this jumper away into a private room where he discussed the man's condition and personal history at some length and occasionally interspersed the conversation with some mild kicks. Even knowing fully when these kicks were coming, the man still had at least a mild reaction, and if the kick came without warning, he showed the full startle response. But Beard's stories of the jumping Frenchman might actually be outdone by the reports of a similar Siberian disorder known as, and I'm going to butcher this, Muriakit, which literally means to act foolishly. That these stories are even weirder is not exactly surprising. I mean, while Beard's investigations were a work of disciplined scientific inquiry, most contemporary papers on the Russian disease were much more like collections of anecdotes and generally secondhand accounts. As such, it's very hard to justify and verify how truthful these stories are, though they do seem to broadly correspond with what Beard was able to document. The next account I'm going to read to you is by Dr. William Hammond, a former United States Surgeon General, and this is his 1884 account of Muriakt among the Siberians, which he'd obtained from three naval officers assigned there. They had met a steward on a riverboat who showed these reactions. Quote, it seemed that he was afflicted with a particular mental or nervous disease, which forced him to imitate everything suddenly presented to his senses. Thus, when the captain slapped the paddle box suddenly, he seemed compelled against his will to imitate it instantly and with remarkable accuracy. To annoy him, some of the passengers imitated pigs grunting or called out absurd names. Others clapped their hands and shouted, jumped, or threw their hats on the deck, and suddenly the poor steward, suddenly startled, would echo them all precisely and sometimes several consecutively. Frequently, he would grow frustrated, begging people not to startle him, and again would grow furiously angry. But even in the midst of his passion, he would helplessly imitate some ridiculous shout or motion directed at him by his pitiless tormentors, end quote. So this was all in the 1800s, but what's going on nowadays? In 2001, Marie Helene and John Mark St. Hilaire appraised this disorder, and others like it found around the world that it is a culturally specific exploitation of a universal neuropsychological response the startled reflex, and a particular artifact of, quote, closed and unsophisticated communities such as lumber camps in the 19th and early 20th centuries, end quote. Honestly, I don't really know what that's trying to say. Is it trying to say that those people are low class and that's why? 
I, I don't know. I tried to find more information, but really, I couldn't. Whatever the underlying cause, those who possess this rare disorder have a hyperactive startle response. This means their brain's synaptic response to sudden loud noise causes a cascade of reactions that go far beyond the sudden rush of adrenaline and quick shudder-like motion that most of us experience. So if we hear a noise and we get kind of scared, we just have it and it goes over in a quick second. These people have a number of neural pathways involved in the startle response. And it's kind of hard to say which one exactly is involved in the hyperactive response observed in the jumping Frenchman. In a normal individual, the muscular reaction subsides within a couple seconds if no real threat is detected. But for a sufferer of the jumping Frenchman main disorder, an unexpected stimulus results in a somewhat different experience. An individual with this disorder has a genetic mutation that prevents exciting signals in the nervous system from being regulated. This causes a number of bizarre irregularities in their startle response. Most notably, an event which might startle a normal person will result in an extended, grossly exaggerated response from a jumper, including crying out, flailing limbs, twitching, and sometimes convulsions. Because a jumper is almost immediately susceptible to another jump soon after an episode ends, there have been reports that sufferers are sometimes teased mercilessly by people who find the reaction amusing and trigger it repeatedly. This highly unusual disorder has also been observed in, as I said earlier, Siberia and also Malaysia. Jumping Frenchman is a form of hyperplexia, which is a more genetic term that people now use to describe any exaggerated startle response. Jumping Frenchman bears similarities to something called stiff baby syndrome, a condition where a person has an exaggerated startle response from the time that they're born and a tendency as a young child to occasionally stiffen their whole body in response to surprise stimuli. This causes the child to fall to the floor like a log, that's a really random comparison, but okay, when surprised. And they actually compare this to fainting goats that involuntarily stiffen their whole bodies when startled. Jumping Frenchman and stiff baby are so similar that they're thought to be the same disorder. Interestingly enough, when Beard first described jumping Frenchman in 1878, Dr. Tourette attempt to have it classified as part of the syndrome which bore his name, Tourette syndrome. But this notion was rejected because there are distinct differences between Tourette's and jumping Frenchmen. In terms of treatment, there's no specific therapy for individuals with jumping Frenchmen of Maine. Eliminating the practice of intentionally startling and or teasing an individual so as to cause that jumping response can help to reduce or end episodes. Symptoms tend to get milder with age, but more intense with stress or anxiety. In the reported cases, startle episodes corresponded with stressful situations, such as the start of the work as a lumberjack. When affected, individuals left the lumberjack camp and the disorder lessened in both severity and frequency. So definitely, this is a very bizarre, weird thing going on. I hope you learned something new and hopefully interesting in today's episode. Thank you so much for listening and stay tuned for more episodes in the future.